Welcome to TLPA Fleet Forward, the podcast of the professional for hire transportation industry. TLPA Fleet Forward is brought to you by the Taxicab, Limousine, and Paratransit Association. Learn more about how they can help you grow your fleet at TLPA.org. Find them on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at TLPA Tweet. And now let's get to our show with your host, John Boyd. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of TLPA Fleet Forward. I'm John Boyd, and we have another great podcast lined up for you today. We're going to talk about a big, big TLPA gathering of fleet professionals that's happening in Las Vegas for the 100th, I repeat, the 100th annual convention and trade show. We're going to talk also with the former head of the Taxi and Limousine Commission in New York City, and we're going to talk with some folks about some major plays that the app and fleet management software companies are making in the taxi and limo world. And we're also going to talk about the best of the best, the creme de la creme, the bestest in the biz. Yes, we're talking, of course, about the winners of TLPA's annual Operator and Driver Award winners who have just been announced. But first, we have a newcomer to the studio today, so a big, big welcome to Bridget Peary, who joins me as co-host. Welcome, Bridget. Hi, John. All right. Now, Bridget, you joined us recently, and is it safe to say that you feel like you've been thrown into the deep end of the pool on all things related to TLPA? Oh, yes. And I am loving it. Well, that's good. And I, I know that you do a lot of things around here, but recently you just put together your very first issue of Transportation Leader, TLPA's super duper quarterly magazine. So why don't you tell us what's in the latest issue? Well, besides a look at what to expect at the big 100th convention and trade show, one of my favorite things to put together were the profiles of this year's Operator and Driver Awards. These are just great people who are so deserving of these awards. And you can find a whole list of all of the awardees at tlpa.org. But let me put you on the spot, Bridget. Is there anyone in particular who really stood out to you? Jeez, I don't even know where to start. I love talking with all of them. For example, Anthony Sims, the taxi cab driver of the year, he drives for Checker Cab in Atlanta. He's been driving for them for 32 years. So that says a huge amount about what a quality operation that is, which is run by the former TLPA president, Rick Hewitt. And then there's Myron Hubbard in Chicago. He is a sweetheart. He's the paratransit driver of the year. And in his spare time, he coaches youth basketball and is active in his choir. And I'd say the most inspirational guy is Gregory Eskin. He's the limo driver for Vital Transportation in New York. And get this, he arrived in this country in 1980 with his wife and his young son with $316 in his pocket. And today, he's the best limo driver in America. It's such an amazing story. And for the operator of the award winners, we've got Robert DeLucia, who started a taxi company that employs veterans in Pittsburgh and a father and son team in Houston with a second branch in Austin, who run Nico's Worldwide Chauffeur Services. The Paratransit Operator of the Year goes to Frank Chicarella, who has a 40-year career in the industry, and over the years, he's taught thousands of classes of new drivers. And then, Bridget, you also wrote a really nice profile of Judy Griffin, who won the Outstanding Contributor to Women in Transportation Award. Now, sadly, Judy passed away this year, and I think it's just great that she's being honored. She was a huge friend and a mentor to so many people in this industry. I think everybody can agree she was larger than life. 
uh, and she built a heck of an operation in Fort Myers, uh, Fort Myers, Florida. And she's going to be greatly missed this year uh, when we all gather for the convention. But uh, but I loved your I loved your piece about her. Thank you so much. Yes, the people I interviewed for that story just loved her. And I was so moved by their recollections of her. Yes, well, I can imagine. Uh, and uh, all right, with that, Bridget, uh, it's time for us to get started with the rest of the podcast. Are you ready? Yes, I am ready. All right. Well, we're going to kick it off with a little news about apps. And Bridget has that story for us. Well, you may have seen that Uber was recently valued at $120 billion. I know, that's an insane number. But there are some other apps and platforms that are making some moves, and they point to a larger picture emerging. One of them is Curb Mobility. Curb was started 20 years ago and has gone through several name changes. It was bought by Verifone in 2010, and then in 2017, the founder of the company bought it back with the help of private equity investors. And it speaks to some buzz building in the industry around consolidation, at least for Curb. Here's Jason Gross, vice president of Curb. With the, you know, the backing and just sort of the the independent nature of the company, it really puts us in a position to deploy significant capital to expand, you know, whether that's organically or through strategic acquisitions. Gross also says that it's indicative of what's happening in the industry as operators look to find efficiencies through outsourcing and consolidation. And Gross says the signs are pointing to exciting times ahead. And it really represents a confidence of several different components, right? The, the investor community, the management community, and the employee community, that there really are good prospects for the industry at large. And also the external feedback we're getting from clients, from customers, from government agencies and regulators, you know, seems to indicate to us that we're on the right track. Meanwhile, over in Ireland, there are some big moves underway by iCabby, another fleet management company. Car manufacturer Renault recently made a big investment in iCabby, fueling expansion plans. We spoke with Shane McDonald, iCabby's Director of Marketing and Communications, who says iCabby is on a hiring and expansion spree to staff a global operations center. Through this partnership with Group Renault, we are one of the few dispatch providers with proper resources and funding who get to focus on building great product. And I guess proof of that is we are in the process of hiring over 60 people to help us build a global innovation center for the taxi industry based here in Dublin in Ireland. We're really excited about this. Um, it's a big project, but we're, we're delighted to get started. McDonald also says iCabby is betting big on the taxi industry, which will continue to be a key part of the fabric of urban transportation solutions in North America. Cities, for example, right across the world, um, particularly in in North America, are looking at all the modes of transport um, across their, their city and their citizens. And their agenda is to try and make that as efficient as possible. We believe in, in, in an average city, there could be between six and eight modes of transport that are being considered. And in a lot of cases, it's our belief in iCabby that taxi sector is a key mode of transport that is being overlooked. So there are big investments being made and new partnerships, and the industry seems to be buzzing with activity. And I'm betting it's going to be a big topic of conversation at the 100th convention and trade show. Well, that's a perfect segue, Bridget. And lucky for you, I have just the guy to talk about it with our first guest. 
So stick around and we'll get started. Man, it has not been slow around here. Everybody's been gearing up for TLPA's big blowout 100th convention and trade show happening October 27th to the 29th in fun-filled, sun-filled Las Vegas. And while this annual event has been around for an entire century, this is not your parents' convention. And I say that because joining me now to talk about it is Jeb Corey, the CEO of C&H Taxi in West Virginia, who is himself a second-generation TLPA member. And he also happens to be co-chair of this year's convention committee. Jeb, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. All right. So, Jeb, tell me, you've been really, really involved in all the convention planning uh, this year. Tell me, what is different about this convention? Yeah, so uh, we really have been involved. I think about every week or every other week, we're spending about an hour and a half to two hours on the phone discussing how to make this 100th annual convention a supreme convention. And so you're going to see all kinds of differences. And one of the things is, is we've shortened it up a little bit. So it used to be like a four-day event, maybe four and a half day. And, and so now we're kind of at three days. And, and, but we also wanted to make it really exciting. So we, we loaded this thing up with keynote speakers. We are making sure the exhibit floor has all kinds of great vendors on it. We want to make sure people have fun and, and are entertained. So we've got great events. I mean, it's, it's going to be an exciting conference for sure. Now, Jeb, you, you, you didn't just start going to these conventions. You used to go with your parents, correct? Yeah. So when I got involved with the company in, in two, that is 2001, and, uh, and at the time my father was running the company, and he said, you know what? He said, if you're going to be involved in this business, you got, you got to start getting involved with the TLPA because he said that's, uh, this is where we learned everything. So when, when we got into the business, we had no idea what we were doing. And, you know, we went on for a few years and, and lost lots of money. And dad said, I got to change this. And so he got involved with the TLPA and the organization made us successful. So obviously he said, if you're going to be involved with this, you got to start getting involved with the TLPA. So, uh, you know, 17 years ago, I started going to these, to these events and uh, I've been going as much as possible ever since. How do you think this one, like if you were to go back, say, 20 years to one of the first conventions that you would have gone to how do you think that's going to look different than than the one that is about to happen in vegas you know i think the two biggest aspects are really the the exhibitors and the technology and and the vendors that are going to be there um you know everything today is technology driven and it changes so fast i'm pretty tech savvy and it's hard for me to even keep up with all this stuff and so when you and I remember going back in 2001 when and I was just getting out of college at the time and I was like wow this this is a fantastic organization these these are great people there's all kinds of cool stuff here uh, but the technology could have been improved and I think now we're really starting to see that I mean vendors are really stepping up to the plate we're getting even new vendors coming in so I think technology is going to be you know one of the biggest differences between what you see now and what you used to see. And, and then also, I think the quality of speakers, you know, we, the TLPA has always had great speakers. And, and a lot of times they get great uh, operators from around the country to speak at these things. I've spoken at some before. and There's all kinds of uh, interesting people who come and talk. 
but this year, I mean, we've really gone out of our way. I mean, we've got people from coming from Disney to talk. We've got uh, brilliant people to come to, to talk to about us about uh, electric vehicles and uh, autonomous vehicles, which, you know, it, it, you can't look at anything anymore without hearing about autonomous vehicles. And, and we're going to have all kinds of people there to talk about autonomous vehicles. And you can even ride in an autonomous shuttle in Las Vegas. Um, so when you start really, for me, because I'm such a, a tech person, that's going to be a huge change. And that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to is just being involved in all this technology and seeing what's new and seeing what's changing because it changes by the second. And to keep up, this is, this is a one-stop shop to keep up with all this stuff. In general, what's on operators' minds these days? What are the, what are the answers that they're looking for? Or what are the questions that they're asking? And how does this convention and the trade show, how does it help them answer those questions? So I think the biggest thing this day is, is really change. I think that's a good descriptor for what's going on. I mean, obviously, it happens in all industries, uh, but it's definitely happening in the transportation industry also. So, you know, for several years, you know, our industry was, is relatively the same, but now things are changing extremely fast. You know, especially from our operation, we're always looking at what is next, what's coming What's coming six months from now? What's coming three years from now? What's th- what are things going to look like 10 to 15 years from now? And how do we start preparing for all that? And, and again, this, this convention is a great place to do that because you, you're going to get a lot of answers. You're going to have people uh, presenting ideas on what the future looks like. You're going to have technology uh, vendors there telling you, you know, this is the greatest tech or part vendors there or vehicle vendors. There. I mean, the breadth of the different types of vendors there is amazing. Anything from insurance to uh, dispatching software to GPS. You know, we've got a session where we're going to talk about beacons and buttons and, and things that people probably have no idea or ever even heard or even know that are possible that you can do in our industry now. And so, you know, really, I think that's what operators, are, as far as I can tell, are, are really trying to struggle with these days is how do we change? How do we adapt? How do we do it at a pace that's fast enough? How do we do it at an economical level? And how do we do it right? You know, there's probably some people out there who can do that, all that stuff on their own. But this show, this type of convention, this type of atmosphere helps answer all those questions. So a quick detail question, because you mentioned it, but beacons and buttons, just give me a little taste. Like what is... What do, you, what do you mean by beacon? It's, a, it's an actual physical button. So it's just, just think of it. Just think of a button where if you've ever seen those uh, things that Amazon has where you can hit a button and it orders a product automatically. Well, this is the same thing for transportation. You put a button somewhere and you link it to your dispatch system and all somebody has to do is hit a button and it you know, calls for transportation automatically. They don't have to call into a call center. Nobody has to pull out their cell phone. Nobody has to sign into an app. Nobody has to do any of that stuff. It's really fast. You hit a button and boom, a vehicle shows up. And so there's another step to that, and it, which is the beacons part. And, you know, the button and the beacon, they can operate on their own. But, you know, something cool that our industry has been talking about is, you know, it, it's, it's great to have the app and the app can connect you with the vehicle and you can share a lot of information that way. But there's a step there where, um, you can sometimes bypass an app or somebody has the app, uh, but there's another vehicle right there in front of them. And they say, you know, I've got a vehicle right here. Do I really want to pull out the app? I'm staring at the vehicle. Do I need to pull out the app, hit the button? Hopefully it goes to that vehicle. And is that going to be my vehicle or not? Well, you can kind of cut that out by putting what's called a beacon inside the vehicle. 
which is a Bluetooth beacon. And everybody uses Bluetooth to talk to things these days or, you know, headsets and speakers and all that stuff. But now we can put beacons in vehicles. And if you get into a vehicle and it has one of these beacons in it and it connects to your dispatch software, your mobile application, it'll know that I get into the vehicle. So if I get in, it connects and says, oh, this is Jeb Corey. We know that he has an account on file here. We can charge this ride to his account and everything's taken care of and everything's done. And again, this is all being done without me having to pull out a cell phone necessarily or pull out an app. And so we're actually making things a little bit faster, a little bit more efficient, and we're doing it faster than a lot of the mobile apps can do. Out of all of those things, is there any one or two things that you are particularly excited about? I just love the exhibit floor. Um, it, you, you get so much information from there. You get some information from the, from the different uh, general sessions. We've got these things called learning labs this year where, uh, that are going to be exciting. Uh, the autonomous shuttle ride, I'm super excited about that. I really was pushing for that. Yeah, I mean, and that, that autonomous shuttle ride, I mean, that's, I, I, you touched on it earlier, but it's one of those things where, you know, you may live in a city that, where autonomous cars have not come to that city yet. This is your chance. If you get to Vegas, you can actually ride on one of these and you can see what the future is going to be looking like. Uh, that's exactly right. And and to, to, to experience it for yourself and see what's going on with the, with the autonomous shuttle, I think is, is very important. And, and there's people in our industry who go back and forth and, and they're really not sure, you know, what's the deal with autonomous uh, vehicles. Some people think it's going to happen, uh, you know, five years from now or that's going to be 20 years from now. And, and sure, it's going to take lots of time probably to really get these things integrated into our society. But you're seeing the dawn of it now. You're seeing, you know, you're going to be able to literally ride in an autonomous shuttle. So it does exist. And it's important uh, for organizations such as mine to understand that. But as we move forward, companies such as ours are really going to need to be diversified. And we're going to be able to need to, to work with all types of transportation and to, you know, monitor different types of transportation. So maybe we don't own the vehicles or maybe we do but maybe we need to service them or work with them or replace parts on them. Or, or maybe we're, we need to find the transportation where an autonomous shuttle drops somebody off, but they need to go a longer distance than it can do. And so there's so many different ways that our industry can change uh, from here going forward. And, and it's growing. Some people think you know, that the transportation industry is shrinking and it's getting smaller. And that's it's the complete opposite. It's, it's blowing up big time. And right. you're seeing huge companies get into it, and they're now interested in it. And the, you know, there's ways that that can that can be confusing and hard to deal with. But it, for me, it's exciting because I'm like, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to to work with a Google, or I can't wait to work with Amazon, or I can't wait to work with uh, you know all these different technologies and different forms of transportation. And I think it's important for us to understand what's going on with that, so that we can that we can adjust and change over time to you know make sure that we keep our organizations relevant. I think you're right. The, you know, the pie is growing and, uh, and there are some very, I mean, the, the players, there are new people um, entering the market every day and there are partnerships being made every day. And so kind of along those lines, um, you know, I think that conventions can sometimes be a little bit, they're, they're a little bit daunting to the uninitiated or to the, to the newbie. What advice would you offer to the the newcomer to someone who hasn't been to one of these shows 
So there's there's really lots of ways to handle this. I mean, there's actually a specific lunch. Um, I believe it's on Saturday, October 28th. Uh, there's a new operator uh, member lunch that you can come to. Uh, I'll be there. That's always a great opportunity to sort of come and, and get the lay of the land. You'll get to meet uh, board members of the organization. Um, you'll have uh, you know really high up people in the organization as well there that you can talk to, get an idea of what's going on. Um, I, I can tell you one thing. Uh, this is one of the more friendliest industries I've I've really ever been involved with, and and I, you can go to these things, and you can you're right, John. You can walk in, and you can be like, oh my gosh, look at all these people, and yeah, those people are talking over there, and there's so much going on, and and I, it gets a little inundating, but really, they're all the nicest people in the world, and so all you really have to do is come, start walking around, talk to the vendors. The vendors definitely want you to talk to you, right? Because they've got things that they want to sell you and show you and stuff. Just start getting involved. Just go and listen to the sessions. Go and get information. Um, you know, and this is true with almost any any industry and any convention too. Is not only do we have a great schedule of stuff for you to do, but we have great networking stuff for you to do too. So there's, you know, there's an opening party that's going to be so much fun. And so go to those things and and just reach out and talk to people. And if you see me there, just say hey, uh, you know, I heard your podcast. Want to come up and say hi. Anything like that. that and that's just, uh, you know, that's how you get involved. It's just go start talking to people and, and see what all is out there. Everybody there is more than friendly, and it's an extremely welcoming environment. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. A lot of great information and a lot of fun. Well, it, it is a great, it's a great place to meet people. And, uh, you know, and if you go there and you make a few friends, and then before you know it, they're going to rope you in and make you the co-chair of the convention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is very true. That that happens very quick, and and to be honest, the, the, the more the the greater because that's you know the more you get. If this is really what you want to do, if this is what your life is. If you're in the transportation industry, whatever the type of transportation, whether it's taxi, limousines, whether it's paratransit work or non-emergency work or stretcher work, or if you're looking at doing ride share stuff or biking, you know, we're looking at bike sharing. We're looking at all these things that are coming around these days. Any type of transportation you're involved in, you should be at this show. Not There's no better opportunity than this convention to do all of that. Well, I look forward to getting roped in then with, uh, with everybody else who's going to be there. You know, they're terrific events. And I'm looking forward to seeing you out there in October, Jeb. And uh, thank you so much for giving a, a terrific overview. And, um, and we'll see you out in Vegas, okay? Sounds good, John. I'm looking forward to it, man. All right. Thanks, Jeb. Hey, thank you. Bye. That was Jeb Corey, the CEO of CNH Taxi in West Virginia, who is the co-chair of this year's convention committee for the 100th annual convention and trade show of the TLPA. Almost a century ago, during the Great Depression, unemployed workers with cars flooded into New York City to become taxi drivers. And as a result, New York City became the first city in the world to put a cap on the number of taxis plying the streets. And the more things change, the more they stay the same. Just consider that in the last three years, the number of rideshare vehicles in New York City has tripled. Drivers are earning less, 
rideshare and taxi drivers alike. And the situation is so bad that taxi drivers who are saddled with debt have even been committing suicide. So it was welcome news on August 14th this year that New York City hit the pause button on the entire for hire vehicle industry. The city's taxi and limousine commission will halt any new licenses of for hire vehicles for one year while it studies traffic congestion and livable wages for drivers. So joining me to help understand what this new moratorium means is Matt Douse. He's a New York attorney who is also the president of the International Association of Transportation Regulators. He is the transportation technology chair at the City University of New York. And he also happens to be the former commissioner of the New York City Taxi and Limousine Commission. So you could say that he knows a little bit about how to regulate transportation. Matt, thanks so much for joining me. Good to be here, John. I may know too much. That could be a bad thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Matt, let's start with some of the numbers. All right. As I was mentioning, in 2015, I mean, we've looked at triple the numbers of rideshare vehicles now. In 2015, there were about 30,000 vehicles driving for Uber and Lyft in New York City. And today, the number is at around 95,000 vehicles. Now, that growth, it didn't happen overnight. So what took the city so long to realize that they are drowning in their own Ubers? Well, as Yogi Berra would say, it's deja vu all over again. This is an eerily, an eerily um, unique repeat of what happened after the Great Depression, as you mentioned. Uh, the, the medallion system was born after taxi riots where people couldn't earn money. And what really caused action this time, remember the mayor in New York tried to cap, to his credit, the number of Ubers three years ago, got beaten back by a multi-million dollar ad campaign uh, which targeted him and, and tried to hurt him politically. The the congestion um, has gotten worse. Um, so it's not it's not just the sheer number of vehicles; it's the trips too. Uh, you know, the trips increased from 2015 to 2017 alone, from 42 million to 159 million trips per day. And Uber accounts for over 75 percent of those trips. So I've been saying all along that Uber is really the one responsible in many ways, not necessarily the other companies as much. They are so big in comparison to the others that I've always felt that there's going to be a cap. It should just be on them. But it looks like, you know, it applies to a lot of different players, big, small, medium sized. And it's uh, these are broad uh, reforms. It's never been done before. I mean, there are caps that exist on for our vehicles, but never in a large city like like this. Well, so this boil, is really a first. Well, so boil it down for me. Like, I mean, is this is this just going to affect Uber and Lyft, or if I'm, let's say, I want to start a five car operation in New York, is it? Am I totally frozen out of the, out of the business right now for the next year, or how does it work? All of them are affected. It doesn't matter the size of the base. It really. Uh, it is it is not necessarily a permanent cap just yet, though I think it's going in that direction. It is a freeze or a temporary pause for 12 months while a congestion and earning study is done. Now, f- what they call in the in the law high volume for hire service uh, apps are really you know we're talking about Uber, Lyft, uh, Get Juno, and Via. Those are the only four that currently would fall into this category of additional regulation. Those companies are what are called high volume apps because they meet the threshold of 10,000 or more trips per day. Uh, 
they're going to have to apply for a new a new type of special license, uh, John. Right. So okay. So they have to get the new license. But if you're a smaller operator, like if you want to just if if you want to start a new five car operation, can you do that or or no? No. I mean, you need ten cars to start an operation. Um, you can start a new base, but it would have to be with existing vehicles. The freeze only applies to vehicles, uh-huh. so you can't add more vehicles to the road. So it's really affecting the vehicles. There's, you can't just put any additional ones on the road, but you can shift them around. So in New York, you know, the, the typical driver has like five apps on his dashboard. You know, so he's driving around. He'll take one call from Uber, one call from Lyft, depending on whether there's a surge. Um, take an app, uh, an app call from Via. Uh, you know, these drivers cross pollinate because they're allowed to do that now. Um, you know, that's not going to change. And what, what, what is going to change is that drivers are going to be in very high demand. Um, as they leave the industry over the next year, if some leave, they're not going to be able to be replaced. It's going to make the drivers uh, more powerful in a lot of different ways. And there's also a, a, a minimum wage component. Well, I want to this ask as you, well. yeah, because the, that's another issue is the pay. I mean, is this it looks like they're setting out New York city is saying there's going to be a minimum wage an hourly wage for the drivers. Is that right? That is correct. And right now it just starts with the high volume apps, but the TLC has unprecedented power um, after this is done to extend it to everybody. So Uber and Lyft have got to be worried about what the contagious, you know, the, the contagious quality of this could be, um, uh, in spreading to other cities. Absolutely. In fact, I think that's the only reason they fought it. Look, Uber already controls the market ad nauseum in New York City. I mean, they have unprecedented market dominance and no one's been able to break that. This fight was more about it having legs and it could, it remains to be seen. Um, is this going to be a unique New York City phenomenon like the last 10 years? Nobody's really followed the lead of New York City in the last 10 years. Or is this going to have legs and everybody's going to do it? And it remains to be seen. Um, You know, it really depends on whether it's going to work as well. I mean, I don't think congestion pricing is going to work. I mean, everyone's going to show up for work on January 1st. It really isn't. uh, It's a congestion pricing in its truest form. And this is a big issue that's looming out there too, John. This is going to be more congestion created by what they call congestion pricing because they only did it for taxis and for hire vehicles. So the governor is running for re-election. He didn't, you know, uh, get the congestion price applied to trucks or to uh, private passenger cars. But if you only do it for taxis and for hire vehicles, they're going to show up for work, John. They're going to show up in the central business district and it's going to take time and eventually people will make less money and they'll leave the industry and it'll shrink. But in the early parts of the year, this is going to be basically a, a fare increase for the yellows. Um, and everyone's going to be clogging the streets and working more hours to try to make up for the fact that there's going to be a ridership loss. And Uber and Lyft may, in fact, even have they have the money to cut their fares and drive a lot of people out of business. You know, all passengers are going to be mad. Do you, do you think that the TLC welcomed that? power or were they or are they kind of saying oh geez now now we've got to figure out this whole mess which frankly i mean from where i sit didn't they kind of create it i mean didn't have we all been looking at this for years and saying where is the cap where's the common sense regulation and there was no regulation i mean uber and lyft were allowed into the city to run roughshod over the streets and i mean eventually yes they were regulated to some extent but I don't know. I mean, I guess that I guess I'm just asking as the former 
as the former commissioner, would you be happy with having this dumped in your lap? Well, I mean, I, it's hard because I can't really speak for um, the current commissioner. Um, I mean, they their hands were tied in a lot of different ways um, by the the law. You know, you, the, the TLC, I believe, and we looked at this, you know, probably could not have done this on their own. And the mayor did try to do it to his credit, um, you know, but it, it didn't work. I mean, really, this thing got pulled at the last minute. Um, you know, the, the governor um, and the speaker of the council were involved in that decision when the mayor was uh, in Rome meeting with the Pope. I remember this like it was yesterday. It was actually, I was at a TLPA convention in Hawaii, um, enjoying Maui, and then all the, everything hit the fan. Um, and I remember it like it was yesterday. And they, uh, you know, took a page out of the typical Uber playbook. They plopped down millions of dollars. They ran ads against the mayor, and the mayor backed off. So really, I think a lot of these things are, were outside the control of the TLC, but now they're within their control. So let's fast forward one year, 18 months, maybe even two years. What, tell me, like, look into your crystal ball, what is happening in New York City and what is happening in other cities from where you sit as a former commissioner of the Taxi and Limousine Commission? Well, I think there will be... Uh, less drivers and less cars on the road, but not that much. I think that other cities that are very congested uh, may tinker with some of these policies, but I don't think it's going to happen across the board everywhere. I think people are going to pause and see how it works. And we don't know if it's going to work. So we don't know if it's going to cause traffic to go down. We don't know if drivers are going to earn more. It's, in my view, a big question mark right now. So we could have a little bit better or a little bit more of the same, but I do not think it's going to be that much better in 18 months. It sounds like, I mean, it's it's going to be an ongoing issue and, um, and it's certainly going to, I think it's going to be a hot topic over the next year to two years. Certainly everyone is going to be watching it. Um, and Matt, I know you're going to be speaking on this topic at the TLPA's 100th annual convention and trade show, which is happening in Las Vegas on October 27th to the 29th. So make sure you catch um, Matt's talk there. Matt, thank you very much for joining us today and helping to make sense out of the great big mess that is uh, congestion and Uber <laughs> and regulation and, and, uh, and all manner of things in New York City. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you, John. That was Matt Dow speaking to us from New York. Well, there's that music, which means we've come to the end of another TLPA Fleet Forward podcast brought to you by the Taxicab, Limousine, and Paratransit Association. If you are a transportation fleet owner and you are not yet a member of TLPA, what are you waiting for? Find out how TLPA can help you grow your fleet at tlpa.org. Email us at info at tlpa.org. Find us on Facebook at TLPA or follow us on Twitter at TLPA Tweet. Thanks to my co-host, Bridget Peary, and I'm John Boyd. So until next time, let's keep those fleets moving forward, everybody.